hi, this is Glenn Rawson. One of the most powerful ways to share history and heritage is by the telling of stories. We began sharing inspiring stories nearly 30 years ago. Each of those stories is true and was intended to inspire and strengthen faith. Over the years, those stories have reached millions around the world. This podcast is for you to listen, learn, and enjoy. My wife is still stranded in Texas. I talked to her and my son-in-law down there yesterday, and the weather had been extremely cold. In fact, 20 degrees colder than it was up here in Utah. And so she's been down there for a while. I know the weather has been rough lately for a lot of us. But you know, and I know, the better days are coming. So with that in mind, this is something to look forward to. I would like to share an experience that bespeaks my life outdoors as a sun junkie. And I am a sun junkie. I guess you could only call it a sensory adventure. I began that morning standing on the lush green banks, this was uh, early summer, of the North Platte River near Glen Rock, Wyoming, the old pioneer trail. The river ran slowly and was rife with birds and life and vegetation. It was beautiful. Can you picture it? Then in the truck, I headed west, crossing Wyoming's high desert, nearly 6,000 feet in elevation where I went. It was hot and unbelievably dry out there. The vegetation out there was sparse, low-growing sage and bunch grass. It was as opposite from the verdure of the North Platte as anything you can imagine, but the contrast was still beautiful. It was in places such as that that Moses and Abraham found their God. Well, as I rolled on west, I climbed 3,000 feet up into the mountains. As I rolled into those pine, pine forests, I rolled down my window and caught the rich, wonderful aroma of the pine and the fir. Can you smell it? Can you remember I pulled over to the close to the summit of Togedi Pass in Wyoming and walked about 200 feet off the road out into the trees. I was swallowed up by the forest. And from then on, all I heard were the sounds of nature, scolding squirrels, singing birds, creaking trees. I walked out on top of a high bluff and I could hear the sound of a descending mountain stream below me. Now, I love music, but there are few compositions that can compare with a rushing mountain stream. I looked down, and there at my feet noticed the last drops of a recent rain trapped in the trough of lupine leaves. I knelt down. The rich alpine soil was as soft and fluffed as a pillow. I offered a quick and quiet prayer. And then as I did so, the sun came out and felt like an oven-warmed blanket on my back. 
With my eyes closed, I became conscious then of a gentle breeze sweeping up the mountain. It was like a cooling caress. Well, I got back in the truck and went down off the pass into Jackson Hole, Wyoming. As I journeyed south through the valley, Teton Valley, the Tetons loomed off to my right. I can see while the early explorers called them the pilot knobs, any traveler within eyeshot can get his bearings if he'll just look up. Maybe that's why God created such things, so that we would look up once in a while, think higher and be inspired by something besides the worldly, the lowly, and the mundane. The Tetons. You had to see it. They were shrouded like ancient Sinai in dark storm clouds, adding all the more to the mystery and the majesty. I couldn't get enough. It was hard enough to stay on the road because all I wanted to do was look at the mountains. Well, then it was on down through the Snake River Canyon and along the South Fork where the river rafters and the fishermen like to play. It is this river where sunlight has so often sparkled off that water to make me think that it was a river of diamonds. And from then, from the Palisades above Palisades Reservoir, I stared down with appreciation, noting how the water, unusually blue that day, reflected now, on that particular moment, the iron gray of the thunderstorm above it. Well, by now, it was late in the day, and I was almost home. Rolling south along Interstate 15, my window down, going through the lava rocks, if you know where that is, when all of a sudden, I caught the sweet, musty aroma of curing alfalfa. It's funny how memories can do this. I was taken back to my childhood, working on the hay crews, just a little shaver, barely taller than a hay bale, and yet that was my job, bucking hay. I noticed as I drove on through the patchwork quilt of fields, some green and others ripening shades of yellow. Just before I reached home, I caught the distinct smell of rain-soaked juniper and sage. Do you remember it? Oh. Then I was home and glad to be there. Now, in case some of you think, listening to me, that I had been up in my truck way too long, may I remind you of something that the Lord said, quote, the fullness of the earth is yours. All things which come of the earth in the season thereof are made for the benefit and the use of man, both to please the eye and gladden the heart for food and for raiment for taste, for smell, to strengthen the body and enliven the soul. Dr. Covenant, section 59. Oh, my friends, can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you look forward to it? The season for road trips is coming. And even now, when the roads are safe, how much beauty and glory and testimony of God and of the gospel is now out there in these wintertime months. 
Yeah, gas costs money, but what costs more? Gas and time or discouragement, boredom, misery, and the like? This earth, my dear friends, is a gift of joy, strength, and life. It's yours. Go get some. If you're bored and tired of being shut up at home, go outside and stare at a tree. I know you think I've been up in a truck too long now. Now, continuing on, as rough as it has been for some of us over the course of this last year, there are those who have similarly suffered for the sake of truth. If it's hard for you right now, please know that as you struggle to keep the faith, be good and do good and look ahead to brighter days, you are in very good company. October 23rd, 1856. William James was asked to help bury the dead that morning before beginning the ascent of Rocky Ridge, Wyoming. William and his family were part of the Willie Handcart Company, and snow had caught them ill-prepared on one of the most exposed portions of the trail. William and his 13-year-old son, Reuben, remained behind to complete their grim duty. Once finished, the James children raced ahead to catch up with the company, while Jane picked up the cart and with Reuben began to pull. They did not go far when William collapsed in the snow. He tried several times to get up, but was unable. Mary Ann James, just 11 years old, recorded the following, quote, Mother was placed in an awful position. Her husband, unable to go any farther, and her little children far ahead, hungry and freezing. What can she do? Father said, Go to the children. We will get in if we can. End of quote. While Reuben remained with his father, Jane pushed on and found her children huddled against the bank of the Sweetwater River, too frightened and tired to cross alone. Daughter Sarah wrote, quote, We had forded this river before many times, but it had never seemed so far across. It was about 40 feet to the other bank. Mother, she said, soon had us on our way. Sometime that night, Jane James and her children reached camp at Rock Creek and anxiously turned their faces back up the trail in anticipation. With each group that came in, they expected to see Father and Reuben. All night they waited. Finally, towards morning, some of the captains who had gone out to bring in the stragglers came into camp, carrying the dead body of William James and the badly frozen Reuben. Reuben would live, though his injuries were so bad he would suffer with them the rest of his life. William James was among the 13 buried in the mass grave at Rock Creek. As a fire was built over the new grave to kill the scent and keep the wolves away, the children sat and watched their mother. 
Sarah said. I can see my mother's face as she sat looking at the partly conscious Reuben. Her eyes looked so dead that I was afraid. Daughter Marianne said, Imagine, if you can, my mother, only a young woman, young woman of 41, her husband lying dead in a frozen wilderness with seven little children starved and freezing crying for comfort. Indeed, can you imagine now, my friends? Sarah records what happened next. Quote, she didn't sit long. My mother was never one to cry. When it was time to move out, mother had her family ready to go. She put her invalid son in the cart with her baby, and we joined the train. Our mother, she said, was a strong woman, and she would see us through anything. End of quote. And then Marianne added, Her physical and mental endurance was nothing short of miraculous. End of quote. There are some of you listening to me who have that kind of courage and that kind of strength. Not that you don't feel pain, not that you don't suffer, not that you don't grieve, not that you don't cry. But you get back up and you keep going. And I witness to you that Almighty God loves you for the faith and the effort. I don't know why, but that story has been lost for months, maybe years. I remember writing it, and then somehow it disappeared. I'm not sure that it ever made it into any of our publications. But today, that story latched hold of me, and I searched and searched and searched until I finally found it. I don't know who that story is for, but if it pertains to you, God bless you. This next story caused some people when they were reading the review of this fireside tonight to look at it and go, what? Serpents and missionaries? Well, this story was shared with me by a former missionary, a young woman named Melanie. And as I read her story, I was touched. It seems that the more I learn of the experiences in the spirit that others have, the more my faith is affirmed that God and his angels are watching out for us and that it's common, ordinary, garden variety, vanilla saints like me, like you, that he cares for and struggles to keep us afloat. Well, Melanie, thank you for sharing this story and reminding me of the promises that the Lord made to his servants about the poisonous serpents and how they would have no power over the Lord's servants. More than 20 years ago, Melanie was serving as a Spanish-speaking missionary in the southern United States. I believe it was Florida. It was early in her mission, and she and her trainer were walking to an appointment, she said, down a dusty, dirty road, when all at once, Melanie happened to glance down and saw a baby rattlesnake directly in front of her companion. I got the impression from the story that it was right underfoot. 
because there was no time to cry out, no time to warn her companion. It was as though the next step would bring her companion's foot down on that deadly little reptile. Melanie then said, quote, even I know that a baby rattlesnake is bad news, being far more dangerous than a mature adult. Just at that point, she said, an incredible thing happened. I could not speak to warn her. There was no time. Yet somehow, time slowed down as I stared at the ground helplessly at what was about to happen. Her foot was coming down right upon this baby rattlesnake who had been making its way across the road. I watched in a bit of a panic as her foot came down lower and lower, and then we were past it and the little snake was behind us, continuing his journey across the way. Melanie said, I don't know how it happened, but I believe Heavenly Father sent his angels to protect her at the very last second. I never took my eyes off the snake, yet it was suddenly behind us. I feel like the Lord didn't give me time to see it in advance, or I might have warned her in mortal words and missed out on such a miraculous experience. By having this encounter, she said, the Lord showed me in a powerful way that he sends his angels to walk with us, especially when we are doing his work. End of quote. Thank you, Melanie, for sharing that story. And in response, I ask you, are you any less worthy of the attendance and watch care of heaven? No. Keep trying. And miracles, President Nelson promised, miracles will come to you. Thank you for listening. Many of the stories you heard today have been published and are archived at glenrossonstories.com. If you would like more information, you can communicate with us there. We will be back again with another podcast next week. <music>